This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. The holiday season has begun. Now, if you don't want to get caught up in all the crazy stress fest, you can take the advice of Taoist monk Yoon Ro and just get quiet. The very, very first and foundational step in any spiritual pursuit is to simply take the quiet time to pay attention, preferably in nature, but if necessary, in your house with the phone turned off and no internet, no television, and in the company of plants or pets or both, to notice that something is going on. Just notice as you watch yourself and you watch the world that there is a forward motion of things and that it's much larger than you are. And just beginning to notice that something really big is going on all the time is a great first step to waking up to how small and insignificant and yet joyful your role in all that can be. The Mad Monk, as he is known, Yoon Ro, will join us a little later to give us the lowdown on Taoism and how it differs from Buddhism. And if you're a Star Wars fan, you already know plenty about Taoism, he will explain. So, chances are you spent hours in the kitchen over the last few days making Thanksgiving dinner, cleaning up from Thanksgiving dinner, eating it, leftovers, stoves and ovens and crockpots were a buzz. Now, I want to let you know about something new, an electric-free slow cooker that is helping people all over the world. It's called the Wonder Bag. The Wonder Bag looks like a great big quilted pumpkin, and you put your sealed pot into the pumpkin, just a pot with a lid on it, after you've brought your food to a boil, and then it continues to cook for up to 12 hours in the Wonder Bag. This is brilliant for women in vulnerable communities and countries, women who have to haul their own firewood and then stand over a fire for hours, and it's also great for convenience for everyone. Sarah Collins, an activist for the marginalized, grew up in South Africa. She created the company Natural Balance Global. And if you buy a Wonder Bag for yourself, you help a family who truly needs one, maybe halfway across the world. Here's Sarah. It's going to help women, whether you're in Manhattan or whether you're in a mud hut in Mali, it's going to help you. And I'll give you an example of that. Is I think in the U.S., so many people are moving towards wanting to feed their families in a different way. So not just grabbing fast food or you know, throwing something, but actually thinking about, I mean, there's the economic side of it, which is how do we eat more at home and how do we have more nutritious meals? So literally in the morning, you can prepare a meal for 10 minutes whilst you're getting the kids ready for school. You bring it to the boil, put it in the bag, and you don't have to think about food again for the rest of the day. So you're not having to rush home in time for, you know, for dinner or somebody's coming home early from soccer and is going to be hungry or whatever. There's always a ready-cooked meal in the kitchen which is not using electricity. It's not plugged in like a slow cooker. Because of the heat retention and the way that it cooks, 
it keeps the nutrients in the food. And obviously, the, there's all the outdoor activities. So soccer moms love it, dance moms, tailgating, outdoor camping, adventures, picnics, all of that sort of thing. It's being used a great deal in the U.S. for that um, and in the U.K. and in Europe. And then obviously in the developing world, it is um, when the majority world, as I call it, is it you know, the biggest killer in the world is indoor air pollution related diseases. And also the resources are diminishing. So this reduces the amount of energy that you would normally use by 90%. So it could save an average household between 10 and $15 a month, which is a major amount in many households. Now, how are we going to get this uh, wonder bag to the, to the women in the poorer countries who could really use it to change their lives? Well, Cassie, I think that that's been the most um, stimulating and exciting part of the 10-year journey is creating a business model which I've coined as globally conscious capitalism. So I believe cooking and time are human rights. So you have to have every person in the world should have a way to cook and time in order to earn an income and become independently, uh, you know, have dignity and freedom and choice. That is taken away from so many of us across the world. So my business model is based on a circular business model where wonder bags that are bought in the Western world, for, for want of a better word, subsidize wonder bags in vulnerable communities. And I have a foundation where we do that. So basically for every bag that's bought, a percentage is donated to our foundation. And we activate through huge wonder feasts across all of Africa and into refugee camps. We work with a lot of aid agencies and we're changing the way that aid is um, looked at because, you know, we've got to stop patronizing people and allowing choice. So we sell the bag to women at a subsidized price in communities where they can only afford $1 or 50 cents. But what's very interesting is that if you give this bag away, the usage is about 52%. Well, if people purchase it even for 10 US cents, it has a 94% usage. So that shows you that as global women, we all want to choose, not be told how to live our lives. Isn't that amazing? That's truly amazing that if people pay for it, they seem to value it more. Of course. You know, if you're given something, it's like, well, just another freebie from a, you know, and a pat on the head, that's all you deserve. So, you know, it goes into a corner. But if you actually get to understand it, you see how it's used, you see the benefits, you buy into it, you given the choice. And I think that in the, the world that we live in today, I think so many of us are faced across the world with this massive dilemma of, you know, we've just been ex expected to just suck the hind tip, just to accept it, you know, and that's not okay anymore. And we're seeing it across America. We're seeing it everywhere. And I, as a woman in business, have really had to stand up and say, 
you know what? This isn't about a bag. This is about a global movement of women around the world standing together to say it is not okay anymore. We want choice, we want dignity, and we want freedom. Providing freedom to many. For many reasons, the Wonder Bag, an electric-free slow cooker. Visit wonderbagworld.com, wonderbagworld.com. And if you know of a family or a nonprofit that could use a Wonder Bag, let me know at Casey, K-A-C-E-Y dot co, C-O. You're listening to Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and we'll be right back with the Mad Monk and his manifesto on living peacefully like a Jedi. Through the generous support of individuals like you, Trees for the Future has planted over 155 million trees and changed thousands of lives in the last 29 years. With your help, Trees for the Future continues to train thousands of impoverished farming families across Africa to plant their way out of poverty using an agroforestry method called the Forest Garden. Forest gardens consist of nearly 4,000 fast-growing fruit, nut, and timber trees that thrive alongside climate-appropriate crops surrounded by a living green fence. These forest gardens eliminate hunger in two years, increase household income over 400% in four years, and have changed landscapes from dry lands for monocropping to rich soils supporting over 20 varieties of crops and marketable products. Learn more about how you can be part of these efforts by visiting trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. Together, we can turn a stairwell into an ER at a moment's notice. Together, we can turn a rescue ship for refugees into a maternity ward. Together, we can vaccinate 710,000 people in just 11 days. Together, we can deliver medical care where the need is greatest. Together, we are Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders goes where others don't to provide life-saving medical care to people caught in crisis situations around the world. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. We are going to gather on Thursday, November 29th at Mount Carmel Hall in Verplank for an evening with psychic medium Priscilla Kerasi. Come get a message from heaven and dinner too. Register at Casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Now, Taoists are not focused on the next life. They're focused on this one right here and how to be wonderfully aware of the energy in the universe and in all of nature. Taoist monk Yun Ro wrote the Mad Monk Manifesto, and he joins us this morning first to share the difference between Taoism and Buddhism. Taoism is, is a bit older, actually, than Buddhism. And when I say a bit, if you consider its shamanic roots, uh, it could be thousands of years older than Buddhism, although one could say the same thing of Buddhism's Vedic roots. But in any case, it's Chinese as opposed to Nepalese. Actually, Taoism was the indigenous 
sort of animistic religion of China before Buddhism arrived, a couple of hundred years before the Common Era began. And at some point, there was a melding of um, imported Buddhism and native Taoism to produce what we now call Zen, which Buddhists see as a branch of their belief system. And Zen came from a Chinese melding of Taoism and Buddhism, which was called Chan, C-H-A-N. Okay. Each religion has its primary exponents. So in the case of Buddhism was a Shakyamuni Buddha, Siddhartha, Kautama. And in the case of Taoism, there were some early proponents that were about the same time as the Buddha lived, roughly 500 uh, before the Common Era. You know, we don't know so much about the historicity of those characters. We assume at least one of them was a real person. The other one may be an amalgam of, um, you know, teachers of the day in much the way that Jesus may be. And But we have better evidence that Buddha was actually an individual, although, of course, a lot of the legends and stuff around him are just that. Taoism stresses harmony and balance and uh, involves the veneration of nature. And if you are a fan of Star Wars, listeners will know the ideas in Taoism without knowing that they know them, because George Lucas was a great fan of Taoism and based his Star Wars universe on the ideas in the Taoist text. So Jedi masters were Taoist masters. Brilliant. And Jedi knights were Tai Chi masters. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that lightsaber stuff and the juxtaposition of the Empire with their hard white shell uniforms, all exactly the same, obeying the rules and, you know, propounding their uh, their beliefs and forcing their rule of law onto people who weren't so keen on having it. This was the juxtaposition in early China between Confucianism, which was all about rules and regulations and your roles in society, and your relationships with others, which were, you know, fixed and discreet and enumerated in detail in Confucian texts, and the sort of wild, bacchanalian, nature-loving revelers of Taoism. So that gives us the, the rebellion, the rebels, and the Ewoks in the forest, and uh, the brown cloaks and the lightsabers oh. instead of blasters, right? All this came from the juxtaposition of Taoism and the institutions of, of Confucianism in early China. So George Lucas didn't make it up, but he, he did a brilliant job of rendering it for us. Beautiful. Now, are Taoists Bacchanalian? I guess some of them are. <laughs> you know, you know, I, when you ask me, I have to say, I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I think there is, there is a great tradition of this wonderful blending of great discipline and, you know, being in a cave for years, meditating alone, and then, and then coming out and, and reveling in the forest. And that, that is a very Taoist thing. Do you believe in reincarnation? So, actually, the, the orthodox Taoist view on that subject is that we don't disbelieve it, but we don't know if it's true. And this is true of a lot of other supernatural things that occur in other religions that we don't have. So pure philosophical Taoism just says, you know, we, we live, we die, and we don't know what happens next, if anything. Right. But we're, we're open to things. But the concentration or the focus, I guess I should better say, is on our day-to-day uh, -day life and what we can do in this life and in this world. Right. And we're run by, it's, you know, what we call the three treasures of uh, frugality, humility, and compassion. 
and those are guiding principles in our worldview. Frugality, humility, and compassion. Beautiful. Right. Not not in that order. It's just in any order. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how did a nice Jewish boy from New York become a Taoist monk? <laughs> so, you know, uh, what is what is required of anyone who takes a path like this is that there had to have been some undercurrent present before opportunity arose. And I guess the uh, the undercurrent was a predilection towards seeking. So as a kid, I was not buying what others around me were selling, whether it was the narrative around culture, religion, society, money, uh, just, you know, pretty much everything. You can imagine what a great joy I was to my parents. I bet. Uh, yeah. And I, I just, and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe since you raised the, the Jewish element, maybe there was some salting in of coming from a Holocaust surviving family. Maybe there was some salting in of a failure of, of you know, the Jewish community around, uh, around me at that time. Perhaps if things had spun differently, we might be talking now, and I had written a book as a rabbi. You know, but right. I didn't. I didn't find. I didn't find those answers or any of that um, in in my childhood. And I guess another element of this is that my mom was an ardent student of a Jewish philosopher called Martin Buber, but she was also a, just a devotee of philosophy in general. So she had a good library of books and. You know, when I was 10 or 12 years old, I was, you know, looking through Lao Tzu, you know, the Tao Te Ching and, and Zen books and things. And I'm entirely sure that, I guess I, I'm, I don't understand all these books now, even even as a trained monk. Some of these texts are so deliberately arcane and in translation that I don't know that any of us have a perfect handle on them. But certainly as a 10 or 12 year old, I didn't. And as precocious as I may have been. But what I did have was a sense that there was something there in that Eastern view. Gotcha. And, and I found, I found, I just had a sense that, boy, you know, there's some answers for me there. And so, I, you know, I kept uh, chipping away at that for decades. What makes you happiest about your practice now? What gives you joy? Are you allowed? You're allowed joy. Of course you are. So, <laughs> you just asked me of all doubts. Right. I, I remembered that now. So you have you have your joy. What what gives you so, the most pleasure? So, you know, I, I think my greatest pleasure is twofold. Number one, I really enjoy writing books and sharing these ideas through stories and novels and through you know didactic texts like the Mad Monk Manifesto, which is really. Uh, a, a bit of a, a screed, but it's tempered by, uh, you know, my declarations from my own experience and sharing of things that have happened to me in my life that help me see things a certain way. And the other great source of joy to me is, is the, the physical practice. So, you know, you asked me about Tai Chi, and Tai Chi is a is the physical embodiment of Taoist ideas. It is Taoism in motion. And on a practical day-to-day level, I get great joy not only from my own practice, but from sharing that with my students and bringing them along, helping them to help themselves in their life. That's a great source of satisfaction to me. We're speaking to Monk Yun Ro, which means... Soft Cloud. Soft Cloud. Did you name yourself, or was that title given to you? No, that's not something you do. We don't name ourselves. I guess I guess some people do that, but in the Taoist tradition, your name is given by your master. You were given this name because you know he 
must have seen things in me that, that led him to want to give me that particular name. It's, it's a very beautiful name because of what it evokes from a Taoist point of view. The idea of a, of a cloud floating along, being blown in the wind, but also having enough significance and moment to, you know, deliver rain and, and thunder and lightning when required, but mostly to just, you know, be light and airy and not have any feeling of going against the flow. So the more you think about it and the more you cogitate upon it in the context of Taoist ideas, the more beautiful a name it seems. All right. When you are doing Tai Chi, explain to me what that, what you're doing, actually. So Tai Chi is a battlefield art. And it was cohered by uh, a gentleman named Chen Wang King in the early uh, 1600s. And he drew on a trio of influences. Uh, one was his wife's family, who had a tradition of uh, Taoist arts, uh, martial arts. There may have been uh, also some influence from a monk who we speculate may have taught him, but some of this is lost to the to history. The second element he drew on was traditional Chinese medicine, which is not really what we think of this, this acronym TCM, which is so popular now and you see uh, it referred to in studies and so on. The Chinese government in recent years and in, in their recent history since Mao ha has gone around extinguishing and cohering under government control thousands of different systems of Qigong, which is an energy work and also medical traditions from different villages and provinces around China. And so all of that has sort of been homogenized into one, what we call a government system of TCM. Actually, there's a lot of medical richness that was lost. And I'm sure that a lot of that medical richness was available to Master Chen when he devised what we now call Tai Chi. So there was a sense of, um, look, if I'm able to hurt people, I also be, need to be able to heal them. And then, of course, from a from a martial point of view, if you know how the body works, if you know how organ systems work, if you know how energy flows in the body, you, you can either harm or heal, and both those uh, abilities are important in battle. So that was the second leg of the tripod on which Chen Wenting built his martial art. They didn't call it Tai Chi back then, it just was the family art. And then the third leg of the tripod is, you know, Taoist philosophy and these ideas such as going with the flow and don't meet force with force. So in addition to Star Wars, we also have an American tradition that comes from the 1960s and 70s and the California surfing tradition. And these ideas of, you know, going with the flow, you know, go with the flow, man. All that stuff comes from Taoism. And California surf culture picked that up from guys like Alan Watts, who were sort of early exponents of the same sort of work that I do. A battlefield you know, art. Line. We don't treat it that way now, obviously, because we don't have pikes and spears and, and halberds and swords and are jumping around in the battlefield trying to survive. But we took its principles and we use it for health now. For health. We are talking to uh, the Mad Monk, Yoon Ro, uh, the Mad Monk Manifesto, his latest book. Can you tell us something we could do right now today to get a little bit closer to the peace that you know so well? The very, very first and foundational step in any spiritual pursuit is to simply take the quiet time to pay attention, preferably in nature, but if necessary, in your house with the phone turned off and no internet, no television, and in the company of plants or pets or both, to notice that something is going on. Just notice 
as you watch yourself and you watch the world, that there is a forward motion of things and that it's much larger than you are. And just beginning to notice that something really big is going on all the time is a great first step to waking up to how small and insignificant and yet joyful your role in all that can be. That is Monk Yoon Ro, his book, The Mad Monk Manifesto. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Please reach out at casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O, and find out about our evening with psychic medium Priscilla Kerasy happening next week, November 29th. Come get a message from heaven and dinner too. Our thought for the day comes from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Yoda said to Luke, you will know when you are calm, at peace, passive. A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.